All right, it's Tony Hody here on the Gutter Grind, brought to you by Gutter Covers International. And today, our guest on the Gutter Grind is Andrew Ettinger of The Best Postcards. Why don't you give us a little background on uh, your colorful history and how you got into the direct mail business, Andrew? Um, colorful it is, Tony. Uh, I was a senior vice president at Morgan Stanley in 2001. Uh, I thought I was a genius. Um, everything I touched turned to gold until the dot-com burst. And I guess I didn't realize that diversification didn't mean different uh, sectors. I was diversifying all amongst tech. And as you know, what happened um, in 2004, I moved to Connecticut and started a shared mail company, walked up and down the street for uh, 12 years, 13 years, working with every single type of business, 100 times over finding out what works, what doesn't work, what owners work, what owners don't work. Because obviously we can only bring people to the door. We can't sell the product. And um, we've grown from a uh, million dollar company over the last four years to close to a $50 million company. And this wow. is this is where we sell home services, home improvement and insurance. Those are our three major markets. So tell me why those industries, specifically home improvement, why direct mail? I mean, I, I think part of it is that we lucked out um, because all three uh, all three sectors are are very much playing into the recession, you know, where business will keep coming in. But um, as with any other business, networking became the top thing and we were able to become the preferred vendors of Service Nation and um, uh Blue Collar Group and CEO Warriors and just a a lot of places where I'm able to go and speak and talk one-on-one -on -one with people, find out what they're doing, make suggestions. And um, we were able to grow those sectors so quickly that, you know, part of it was we were fortuitous and second is we're the best at what we do. So, you know, we have a 95% retention ratio of people who run off contract every single month in perpetuity. Wow. You know, so. Okay. So let me ask you, there's a lot is still the same with direct mail, right? It's there's some consistency of just getting in people's mailboxes, getting in front of them, staying in front of them. Some of those things are consistent and, you know, just like they were decades ago. However, there's some new technology and some qualifying and things that we can do today that we couldn't do in the past. What's what's new with direct mail? So, I mean, I think it's it's very similar to what you see on digital where data and analytics and being to, being able to look at like maybe your last two year customer list, plot it out on a 3D heat map, find out where your revenue is coming from at like a granular level, like by carrier routes, you know, the old days it used to be, let's hit a zip code, you know, but there's so many unqualified homes, there's apartments, there's condos. So we can take your old customer list. We can append data like incomes, home values, age of homes, stuff like that, and find out exactly where to mail, exactly who to mail to, find out who your qualified customer is and go after that. Because as you know, you can either be the cheapest, you can be middle ground, or you can be the highest. What doesn't work is being middle ground, right? Because you you kind of lose your identity. You're not sure if you want to play in the, in the shallow waters of the non-profitable sales just for revenue, or, you know, always... I always think that the next level is the highest because 
you've built the brand, you've built the reputation, and people are willing to spend more money with you because they know you're going to be around in 10 or 20 years. Right. So those types of analytics and, and getting granular with that sort of thing, is that something that an organization like yours can do for clients so that they're not, you know, so they can run their business and they can stay focused on what they do best? And that's an important point. So what we do is we make the whole process turnkey. So we get into your database, into your CRM. Obviously, if you're a gutter company, you just replace gutters on a company, you don't want to mail that guy, right? Unless you're selling other products, unless you're selling windows and doors and um, roofs and stuff like that, because then you can cross-sell them. Because if, obviously, if you've been into a home and you've done work there, they're more inclined to not bid you out against anybody else, to to you to trust you on what you're saying. So um, we're we're able to do everything turnkey. We're able to dedupe your existing client list every single month against your prospect list. Um, we pull it all for you. Um, the best part of what we do is, or the lowest hanging fruit in prospecting is radius mailers. I think you do a lot of the canvassing. It's kind of similar where we're going to take the, every time you do an install, we're going to collect those installs on a Friday. And then we're going to send that 150 homes, the closest 150 homes, which are personalized to say, hey, Tony, we just did a job in your neighborhood. So chances are, if you just replace the roof or gutters, that every neighborhood in those 150 homes have the same qualifications. You don't find the million dollar home next to a $250,000 home. And you don't find a 20 year old home next to a three year old home, not often. So it's the lowest of hanging fruits um, with the radius mailers. Yeah. I love radius. I mean, my core values as a marketer, you know, is repeat referral radius and reviews because online reviews has become so important in recent age. And it's, you know, you bring that up, it's important because a lot, of, you know, we did what's called matchback reports, where every three months we're going to pull all the revenue you've done in the last three months. We're going to match it back to whether those homes that received mail, whether they were, whether it was a radius mailer, whether it was a prospect mailer or an existing client, tell you how much you spent and how much revenue was received against those homes that received mail. Now, we obviously know that we can't take credit for all that. It's, it's not an attribution report, right? Because we don't know if pay-per-click hit up a, three days later or a, a telemarketing or anything like that. But it is a causation report. And we can show that if you mail to 10,000 homes, we can pull the 10,000 homes next to it, look at the revenue and say, okay, you spent $25,000 in direct mail over the last six months. And this is how much more revenue the areas that receive mail did against the areas that did not receive me. So at the end of the day, really as business owners, isn't that all we care about? We, it doesn't really matter where the lead comes from because we know 80% of the leads are going to go to your website. They want to see what you offer. They want to see your reviews. I'm not spending five grand, 10 grand, 15 grand, 30 grand, unless I go and I see reviews and then they're going to click on that, that Google button. And, you know, so Attribution reports are not really our game, but we can prove it out through A-B testing and matchback reports. Awesome. So I like to say that I don't believe in fairy tales, but I believe in failure tales. <laughs> yeah, I think that there are just incredible lessons from you know failing. And I know that a lot of us out here have failed with direct mail. We've you know tried it once, it didn't work. We gave up too early. We uh, you know, maybe we 
didn't have the right offer. Maybe we didn't have the right list. Whatever the case may be, what do you see as as common failures among people who have attempted direct mail and, and maybe have a bad taste in their mouth about it? I mean, let's start with the beginning of any direct mail program is um, A is finding the list like we kind of just talked about. Um, and we will run any client through uh, a data and analytic report, that report we were telling you about, get them on a go-to meeting, uh, plot out all their clients, show them where they're coming from, who their avatar is, and and find homes that make sense for them. So I think a lot of people just think that, okay, let me mail and see what happens. Let me mail once. And they have no way of knowing whether it worked, whether it didn't work. And, you know, so I would start there. I think always having that, that knowing who you want to mail to, when you want to mail to, if you have multi-product business, you should be mailing to them every quarter. That's where you can spend $2,000 and get $300,000 in sales. Um, you know, when you're looking at radius mailers, you're more looking at like a 12 or 13 X return. And when you're looking at prospect mailers, you're probably at like a nine or 10 X return. I see. Okay. Well, I think that makes sense. You know, begin with the end in mind, right? You know, and, uh, you know, with respect to your target and, uh, you know, go after the target that way. So let me ask you, once you've identified that target and you know who you're mailing to, uh, what is, are the elements or the components that need to exist in a compelling offer or a compelling direct mail piece? So a lot of people, you know, we do a 13 by our, our prospecting mailers are done on a 13 by 12 and a half that folds into a 13 by six and a quarter. And the number one thing I say to everybody is whatever you're going to put out in this direct mail piece should match what you're doing in any other advertising, the color schematics, you know, a universal brand. Um, whether it be your billboard or your digital marketing. And, you know, as a case of that, we also offer unlimited graphics at no up charges. So when we do a direct mail piece or we're doing an email to follow up with it for a double touch point, or if somebody's doing a billboard, we always offer to do the artwork for you um, at no charge, because at the end of the day, we run off of an exclusivity type of uh, program where if somebody's running with us, we don't need two runners in the game. We want to root for our clients. We want them to run forever, give them a program that they can go to sleep at night, not worried about it, you know? So they they know, okay, I'm going to do this for six months. I've dedicated this amount of money. This is a program at hand and we're going to play it out. Um, I also think, you know, with by bringing up that 13 by 12 and a half, you want the pictures to show exactly what you do when the person is pulling it out of the mailbox. You want the colors to remain consistent so that they know what company you are before they even pull it out of the mailbox. You have three seconds, three seconds to get your attention. I've had people write on there their PhDs and this is how long I've been in business and I've been doing this and I'm doing this and we did this job. Nobody cares. You know, people want pictures. They want coupons, call to actions. Um, and you know, whether these coupons mean something or they don't mean something, you know, um, it's a way to get the phone to ring, right? And, you know, you put your website on it, but let's face it, nobody's going to TonyHody.com, right? They're going to Google and they're typing in Tony Hody and then they're clicking on your website. So right. because people are stuck on it, we do put the websites on there, but 
it's not even necessary to put the website on there. A QR code, we're dealing with the younger generation. It helps them skip right from the, you know, on their mobile, right from sure. um, the ad. A mistake people make is that they send that QR code to their land to the website, the, the regular page. It should be sent to a page that is consistent with the offers that are being made or the products that are being sold. You know, we don't want somebody searching around your website for that product. If they know what they like, it should go to that page. Understood. So, you know, clear, clean, less words, you know, bullet points, nice pictures, stock photos are no good, right? You want to have pictures of your team, of your trucks, locally owned and operated cells, you know? So um, branding, consistency, going deep, not wide, is what we're all about. We'll prove it out. And after we prove it out, you can go wide. But for the most part, you can do more business in 10,000 homes than you can do in 100,000 homes if you do it right. Yeah, I want to talk about that concept of deep, not wide. But before we get into that, Andrew, can can you give us some examples of some direct mail pieces that have really performed for your clients? So you know, some type of offer or or imagery, or as you mentioned, locally owned and operated imagery of that nature. Can you give us some more to go on and what we should have inside that that piece itself? Well, I mean, besides, you know, on our on our direct mail piece, it's a four page panel. So you're getting the outside as front coverage, the, the, the back outside as front coverage and inside you can sell different products. Um, obviously, if, you, if you're one, one product person, I would say go to 11 and a half by six postcard because it doesn't get cluttered. The last thing we want is clutter because nobody wants to deal with uh, the jack of all trades. Um, a lot of people get concerned about the coupons. They say, well, I don't have a thousand dollars to put in for the discount of um, a roof. But, you know, is it really a thousand dollar discount? You know, it's really, if you know the coupons out there, Basically, when you're going to see people, you take the coupon out of their pocket. You know, you tell them, hey, we're running a special with the best postcards where we're offering $1,000 off. So the salesperson has it in his head already that, okay, this, you know, this person's getting $1,000 off. They don't have to worry about the person taking the coupon out of their pocket after they agree to a deal. And then you're able to set the price that figures in that $1,000 coupon, um, you know, some people like to use 10% off or 15% off. I think dollar figures always work better. Uh, so I think as long as you give a strong, compelling, clean offer, yes. you do, sorry about that. If you do a strong, compelling, clean offer, um, you make it enough that people will at least give a call because at the end of the day, that's all we can do, like we spoke about. We can get them to call you and then that's something that you guys can deal with once you get the call because that's what you're trained for. That's what your CSRs are trained for. That's what your salesmen are trained for. Exactly. Get get the conversation started. Get the dialogue going. So let's go on to that, that concept of going deep versus going wide. I don't think a lot of people are necessarily familiar with that terminology. Some people might be, but not everyone. And the idea of really hitting 10,000 homes with a greater number of frequency and instead of just taking that same money and spreading it wide over the course of a hundred thousand homes, uh, there's right. definitely some confusion around that and, and help us see the value in, in going deep. 
So let's say you wanted to, you said, called me up and said, Andrew, let's do 50,000 pieces. I want to do it once and try it out. We've done the numbers. We have the, uh, we have the historical data. We have, you know, how those people do compared to someone who would do, let's say 10,000 pieces, six times to the same homes. And it's that planting the seed. It's that branding that's getting you your ROI today, but also getting your ROI six months later. I kind of use the example and, you know, Ashley's heard this a million times, but back in September in my house in Connecticut, I did a kitchen and it cost like $70,000. Now I knew I needed windows. My house was built in 1996, but I wasn't ready to spend $50,000, dollars on windows at that point. I mailed for a renewal by Anderson's, but not the one that I get. And I've been getting it for four years. And in September, I knew I was going to spend $50,000, $60,000 with renewal by Anderson in March, but they didn't know I was going to spend fifty dollars or $60,000 with them. So by, able, by being able to brand me and for me to know that this is a company that I want to do business with before even having to do any research or anything like that, it's, it's those sales that make direct mail so good. You know, these days, people have kind of gone towards taking that shortcut, right? Let me buy the pay-per-click pay leads. Let me use the lead aggregators. But at the end of the day, what does that do for our own business? We're only going to be buying our, our food every single day. And we've seen what's happened with Google. We've seen what's happened with Facebook. We've seen what's happened with Instagram. Um, you really want somebody else to own your brand, right? Whether whether it's getting direct mail out, whether it's doing content, whether it's doing television or radio, it's just the mere fact that that people aren't able to track direct mail um, like they are digital. And digital takes credit for everything. And I believe in layers. Like I never go to somebody and say, you should put 100%. I don't even think they should put 50% of their money into direct mail. But layers work. But we, we will never know which layer made someone pull the trigger or where they pulled the trigger. Yeah. Multiple, so, multiple impressions in marketing is just so key. And, and having, you know, that extra touch point can put someone over the top for sure. But, but more to your question, it's like, you know, I've had clients who done like guerrilla marketing, right? Like shared mail or emails or something. And they try and do, they try and do it to 250,000 homes. When you have 10,000 homes and it's in your whole neighborhood, right? Your cars are all going in the same direction. Your installers are all going in the same direction. Your quotas are all going in the same direction. So everything becomes more efficient. So those 10,000 homes that you find in the two towns or the three towns, because no matter what information we find off of your data report, we can reflect that into any zip code or any town or any territory you want. So if there's some place that you want to be home base, I'm the biggest believer that home base is where you start and finish. People tell me, I own my home. I own my home. That's the easiest way to lose your home, right? Like you need, you need the area that you do your business in is everybody should know who you are. You know, I mean, I can't tell you, I, I talk to people who don't put yard signs at. I mean, every yard sign is worth a referral. And when they see your truck and they see your yard sign, and then they get a piece of mail saying, hey, we just did a job in your neighborhood. Isn't that the neighbor vouching for you saying, Hey, they were in my home. They did a great job. Like, this is who I should be using. You know, I know that when I see two or three yard signs in my block, whether it be Mosquito Squad or whether it be a roofing company, that's that's the what the easiest and most efficient way of growth. 
Another question that comes about with respect to direct mail pieces is why a postcard versus an envelope? You know, there's a debate among those who are novices that don't necessarily understand should it be the curiosity of opening the envelope or, you know, the, uh, the stimulant on the outside saying, you know, offer expires soon or um, that sort of thing. Give us some feedback on the difference between envelopes versus postcards. Well, you kind of just said it right there. You're like, should I open the envelope? Like, is it enticing? There's a barrier to entry. There's an envelope. So the postcard has no barrier to entry. So you have to see it. You have to brand. Do I like envelope mailers? I do. I like them for rebates. I like them for, you know, um, doing it twice a year. But I think the postcard is what brands the homeowner. They have to get that impression. I mean, there's no other medium that 100% of the people you mail to have to touch it, hold it, feel it, and get an impression, even if they're throwing it out. So, you know, we don't have the liberty of, of advertising to people when they need our product. We have the liberty of advertising to them so that when they do need our product, they think of us. Amen. Understood. And so let me see if you have any insight on whether or not certain types of uh, accelerants, if you will. You know, I, I've received direct mail in the past. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Dan Kennedy, the great copywriter, and he's been known to put things like, you know, Tylenol inside of a a, a direct mail piece or attach it to a postcard and say, Hey, you know, are your gutters giving you a headache, you know, and, and just to try to get their attention and also, you know, give them something for free to endear themselves to, you know, their audience. Any, any thoughts on those types of possible accelerants? You know, I would rather put out a blank envelope with an address on it in the handwriting where people can't afford not to open up the envelope, then I think maybe there's a stigma, you know, like this is in every industry of the way, you know, people are attached, but writing, you know, check inside or tax rebate. I just feel that the people who are tried and true and, and advertise consistently are going to do well. You know, it's, I mean, Drekman has the highest response rate of any media. It's just that, giving the attribution is is the toughest thing. Uh, but I, I think, you know, when you start to overthink it is when you start to, to go downhill. I've done it all. I've done the overnight looking envelopes. I've done the um, stimulus check inside. I think we talked about it like two years ago when the pandemic uh, first started. Um, I think you, you're better off if you want to do a high impact piece and get someone who's do like a PVC mailer, which is like a semi-rigid plastic that has a pop-out credit card. So, you know, and something like that is something that I think works really well. Um, I think people are sick of being fooled yeah. and sick of being tricked. And um, obviously we don't want to get somebody to open something with them already being soured by us or expecting something in there that's not. That's not to say it doesn't work, Tony. You know, like consistency works. You know, whatever you do, if you're consistent about it and you keep it nice and clean, and you're hitting the right people, it's going to work. So can we do those mailers? Absolutely. And I'm sure you've seen those mailers that we've just we've been in your neighborhood, you know, um, which are like letters and they're like 
do like fake invoices where they're, you know, um, does that work? Yeah, it works. It works once or twice until the homeowner sees it six months in a row and seven other people doing it. And then they kind of fall short on them. So I'm, I'm, I'm big into just constantly branding. I don't think envelope mailers um, and I don't think those those type of we've been in your neighborhood, you know, leave behinds. I don't think they brand. You know, I think they're more for instant gratification. And it's good. We can always do that. And we can always supplement a program. But or or mail it to somebody who's we've we've already branded for six months in a row. But I would always go with the postcard, you know, approach unless it's sensitive information. If it's sensitive information, put it in an album. Got it. So let me ask you this. I mean, if someone wants to start a direct mail campaign, I mean, where do they start to, to even plan budget, you know, for a campaign? What's reasonable? Uh, what size and scope should they be considering? So, I mean, I guess if that's all individualized, right? Like, I want to have a conversation with you. I want to talk to you about what you're doing in revenue. I want to talk to you about which products are selling, what your average ticket is, what your profit margin, margins are. So we can get a little bit of depth of, you know, some guy calls me up and he wants to do 5,000 postcards to 10,000 postcards, but he's selling flagpoles, right? And there's only 356 flagpoles in those, and he charges $150. There's no way he's going to get his money back. If you're doing a, a $5,000 direct mail campaign and you're selling roofs, well, if you sell one roof, hey, you might not love me, but you didn't lose money. Now, if you sell three roofs, then, hey, let's, let's let's double up and let's do spend ten thousand dollars a month um I think you know we need to know what the capacity is of each owner like can you handle the installs do you have the text do you have the you know uh, how far out are you uh where you're spending your other money what other branding that you're doing um you know we typically want to know what percentage of revenue you're spending towards advertising I think if you're not in the eight to twelve percent range, you're not growing. You're you're just hanging around. And you know, if somebody comes to me and they're in the three percent range, it's not that I don't want to do business with the person. It, I don't care if somebody does five hundred thousand dollars revenue or five million dollars in revenue, but we're investing in that company as well because we're not mailing for anybody else. So I just want to make sure that that whatever they're doing is, like I said, not enough to cause them to lose sleep at night, but enough to move the needle at the end of the day, improve out the product. So, you know, it all starts with that. It all starts with, you know, how many rate, how many insoles do you do a week, you know? So we can back into a number of what makes sense for you on the prospect side. Because anytime you have the opportunity to do a radius mill, you gotta do it. So if you're doing 10 installs a week, well, you know, that's $975 a week. So, you know, that's $4,000 a month. If your budget is $7,000 and we're gonna back in the prospects. But ultimately, we're going to look at your uh, your advertising spend and start off maybe in the 15 to 20% range of what your advertising spend is, um, which would be half because it's only six months. We're, we're only asking you to go for six months because we know after six months, you're not stopping. Um, so it's enough to turn the needle, but if you're a skeptic and it bombs, then you know that we're not taking enough of your your advertising budget away to affect your overall return for the year. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. 
you mentioned a number of percentages and, and, and metrics, and I think that's what a lot of people want to hear. You know, they want to know conversions, right? So if, you know, what can someone expect if they spend X amount or if they put out so many pieces, what is the projected ROI? I mean, and how does that vary from one company to another? Obviously, you've got companies that carry multiple products. You've got companies that are going to, you know, hit a, a much larger landscape. So it's really hard to narrow it down and, and give a, you know, one uh, answer that is, is, you know, serves the entire industry, right? But what can we share? Sure. Well, I mean, like like I said, when we're when I said to you about let's talk about what products you offer and everything like that, you know, typically maybe a roofing company might work on ten to twenty percent margins, where a gutter company might work on fifty percent margins. Now, I remember the days when Gutter Helmet was doing three, four million dollars in revenue, you know, and uh, making fifty percent margins, and that's all they had to do. And all industries are cyclical, right? So, uh, the gutter industry is a huge industry. But a lot of the smaller players were taken out. You know, it's not as easy to to uh, to start up a new um, company unless you really have it down. Um, I would say it's hard to look at a percentage return because if you're selling a thirty thousand dollar product and you spend thirty thousand dollars in direct mail, I mean, let's say people always throw around this two percent number. Um, that's 600 people calling you off of $30,000. And even if you close 10% of them at 30, you're not doing 1.8 million or, or 18, whatever it is on 30,000 pieces, uh, $30,000 or 100,000 pieces. You really have to more look at it like how much did I spend and how much revenue did I do on that spend? So I think you, you can realistically look at... Um, a 10x return. So if you're spending, you know, we want to get you in in that budget. When I say you're spending eight to 10%, we want to be a part of that number, right? So we want you to be in at in a job costing about 10% of your spend. Yeah, I agree. I think it's all about money in, money out at the end of the day. We're not Burger King, right? It's not instant gratification. It's, it's, we just need to evaluate everything to make sure that it's working and that's what we spend a lot of time doing you know to make sure we take all the guesswork out of direct mail so do you have any resources available any any guides or you know information for people that are looking to get into direct mail or considering a direct mail campaign someplace they can go to learn a little bit more before they jump in feet first Sure. We we have uh, both product decks um, and slideshows that we can provide. Um, I think the fact that we don't charge for the data and analytics. So at the end of the day, if you want to find out more about your customers, where they're coming from, who they are, what they spend, we'll give that to you for free. If you don't want to go ahead afterwards, anybody who's listening to this who wants to, to get a, a free analysis, we're happy to do it. We're happy to help the industry. Um we can show you all the stuff. And if at the end of the day, you're not comfortable, then take all this knowledge and, and put it to good use in your other mediums. We also have a lot of, uh, I would like to say, um, ambassadors, you know, like the Vista Home Improvements, the Florida Windows and Doors and the, the Georgies and, you know, um, good revenue companies who are ambassadors of our company who are happy to 
spend an hour with any one of our clients and and talk to them about the industry and talk to them about direct mail and talk to them about all their, you know, they're not just going to sit there and talk about direct mail. They're going to kind of give you an apprenticeship, you know, and we, we have a somewhat of a, a, a cult following, you know, we're, we're not a 24 seven business. Uh, and we are a 24 seven business. We're not a nine to five business. So we know that um, getting your artwork and getting it back 15 minutes later with changes um, or, you know, being able to find out about proof of mailers and, and when something was shipped out, you know, there's, there's, there's not a lot of transparency in, in marketing these days. And, you know, we pride ourselves on making sure that everybody mails with us gets proof that it was mailed and when it was mailed, when it should hit homes. Um, so I'm not sure if I answered your question there. Or... Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, there's some resources there for, for people, certainly that, you know, that, offer to you know to to analyze you know your demographics and your target audience and take a look at you know your your current database and see where you're where you're having success. and it's a conversation too it's like you know getting to know your business is what our differentiating point is is you know besides besides the data and the analytics and everything like that it's you know 2023 i think is the year of the consumer journey and i think touching them in ways that they're not being touched currently, you know, direct mail, billboards, stuff like that, branding stuff. I think people are living at home and they're working at home. So own the mailbox, own the home. Um, a lot less bidding is going on because you're not going up against six people that were, were picked off, you know, from a, from a lead generator. Um, I just, you know, knowing more about your business, having those those hard conversations with clients you know i like to say i don't have a filter i don't always tell people what they want to hear but it always comes with the best of intention awesome so with that being said the last question that i think a lot of people want to know when it comes to direct mail is the legalities are there any legalities you know for example state of california you can't put anything outdoor hanger anything without your you know, your license, state of Florida is very similar in that regard. Um, license number being present on things. So what legalities do you think people should keep an eye on if someone's going to try to do some direct mail on their own or anything you should, uh, you would recommend in that regard? Well, there was a little known law uh, called the Wayfair Act. I think it was uh, at the end of 2018 that was passed. And my business is located in Connecticut. So my nexus is in Connecticut. So typically I would only have to have charged sales tax to the people in Connecticut, but not out of state. But now when doing direct mail, you have to be careful about sales tax because it changed it that wherever the person you're doing business with is where the nexus is. So what we do is we include sales tax in everything. Like it's just part of your fixed price. Um, and we actually pay it for you. A lot of people are under the impression that you don't have to pay sales tax and you're just going to end up at the end of the year with a big bill from the IRS. So be careful about that. As far as like legality, um, as far as do not mail lists and stuff like that, we we follow all that. Um, you know, they're not keen on writing like check inside or putting a fake check inside that shows out through an envelope. Um, they consider that misrepresentation. Obviously, in certain industries like cannabis and stuff, you got to be careful. But in home improvement and stuff like that, and home services, 
you know, it's not really something that uh, is something that you have to be worried about, um, whether you use us or whether you use anybody else. Yeah, I think it's nice having those years of experience to lean on and draw from other companies that have had failures, had successes, uh, and, you know, put together the best possible list for you, the best possible offer, um, the best imagery, all of that, you know, comes from years of experience. I'm sure you would attest. I mean, Tony, how many times have you talked to people and they said, well, my guys won't put out the yard signs? You just know right there, right? You know right there that this guy's not going to succeed in the business because the lowest of all lowest of lowest hanging fruits is being ignored. And there's no reason that after somebody just did a roof or a better job or a window job that they can't stick a stake in the ground at the end of the driveway. Sure. Yeah. You know, and the little tricks, you know, you just tell people, hey, listen, we're going to pull, we're going to take a picture of the yard sign. And at the end of the month, we're going to pull three pictures and we're going to send $100 out to whoever's yard signs we pick. So that's more of an incentive for the homeowner to let you put it out. Sure. Yeah. You can do that with the installers too, to make sure that the installers are putting it out. There's all kinds of ways to incentivize. I mean, we have these PVC plastic cards that it has the installer's name on it. And it says like, here's a $500 gift card or whatever uh, branded to the company. Give this to a friend, family, or coworker. If they use it, we'll send you a check for $150. So they just have to write their name on the back of it. And when it gets handed in, so you're only paying for the sale if someone closes with you, right? So it doesn't cost you anything except for, you know, what you have to, you know, you pay $175 for 500 cards. Um, but we have people like in the home services industry who see four clients a day and have 20 tech, you know, four clients per tech. And. They get 50 or 60 of these back a month. Imagine getting 700 clients a month by just handing out a card. But just same thing with yard signs. People say, ah, you know, like, I just want to get out there and, you know, they yeah. don't do it. So how do people get a hold of you, Andrew, if they if they want to enlist your help or just get you to analyze their, their data and, and the system in that regard? How do they reach out to you? So um, the best way is to shoot an email to Andrew at thebestpostcards.com or ashley at thebestpostcards.com and we can absolutely um give you phone numbers if you want i think that's the best way or going to the website itself and, and filling out the questionnaire and you know somebody will get back within 24 hours awesome well i appreciate all your years of expertise and you sharing very candidly uh, so many great tips on how to be successful with direct mail. Thank you very much for being a guest on the gutter. Ground. And I, I'm honored, Tony, because you're a legend in the industry, you know, and um, as I've grown in the industry, you know, I see the real people and the posers and, you know, like I have mad respect for you and what you're doing with the people you work with and how you help the industry in totality. Awesome. Look forward to working with you again in the future, Andrew. Thank you, you too, brother. Bye-bye.